0: Hi everyone, welcome back to Sex Ed Shouldn't Suck. I'm Jen,
1: and I'm Kaylee. This week we are going to be talking all about the history of from please, birth control. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, Jen Jen has done a may I say fuck ton of research. Wow, Kaylee is going to tell me all about it, and you know what? We're all going to learn together, except for Jen, who already knows.
0: true it's very true (laughs) i'm gonna tell kaylee about it i'm gonna tell you
1: about it tell you about it we're gonna learn about all that (laughs)
0: yeah let's dive in let's do it enjoy
1: Let's just get started. So, why don't, wh- where are we beginning, Jen? At the very beginning.
0: That's <laughs> a very time? good place to
1: start. I'm guessing yeah. the beginning of birth control was the pull-out method.
0: <laughs> God actually created birth control on the eighth day, but that's not talked about <laughs> in the Bible. Oh, well, uh, thanks, God. Did... What a
1: homie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, God created birth control. He saw that it was good. And, and then, then man destroyed it. Yeah. Man and the man like,
1: was like, oh, I don't feel enough with this on.
0: <laughs> it's too small for me, God. God was like, I created all of your penises. I know exactly how big you are. Anyway, we are going to start pretty early on in human history. We're just going to skim over that because I think it's interesting. But we've already done an ancient sex episode where we talked about mm-hmm. some of this. So. Not the most important part. Then we're going to get into the birth control movement, the official movement in the 20th century. Cool. And this was in the West, specifically Europe and the United States. And then we're going to get into the birth control pill trials that happened in Puerto Rico in the 50s Mm -hmm. um, through the early 60s. So I'm going to try to go quick because that's a lot of history to cover.
1: You know what? You take your time.
0: Okay. Thanks. You're here for it. Yeah. So let's talk about early, like ancient birth control. Uh, It was surprise, ineffective and (laughs) sometimes harmful. Like in ancient Greece, they used copper salt, which had mercury and like a lot of heavy metals just sticking out. How did they use it? Oh. So there was a (laughs) thought, which was, you know, I guess along the right lines of putting something inside the vagina to block or neutralize the Mm -hmm. sperm, which. They they were kind of onto something, but everything they used was ineffective. They used different herbs, acacia leaves, lint. I don't know how the fuck they gathered that. They were Ew. just like combing their togas of lint or something. That sounds Cedar oil, <laughs> elephant dung I found as a oh. thing, and cabbage. So they were just like shoving everything they could up there, seeing if it worked. Uh, it really didn't. It did not and probably caused a lot of infection.
1: Maybe we'll talk about this later, but I just watched The Great – On Hulu, and one of the birth controls that she tries to use is putting a a sliced, like, half of a lemon lemon up her vagina. I wonder if that would work.
0: (laughs) It probably works kind of like a diaphragm, I would expect, but it also sounds very acidic. Like, what? Ow. Yeah. That's true. I guess that's
1: more to, like, block it from going up, but those little fuckers are small. Yeah. They can... Probably They're swim around a lemon, teeny tiny elephant. I can't get past elephant dung. I know. I uh, the smell
0: must have just been really bad.
1: I don't. Also, I can't I don't understand. Like, I mean, all, a lot of these sound bad for your vagina, but elephant dung yeah. in particular seems yeah <laughs> bad. I mean, yeah. dung I- of any kind,
0: right? Like in even the your vagina. own dung. Like if it gets in the vagina, <laughs>
1: is it called dung when it's human? Yeah, probably. Why not? <laughs> sure. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So in this time we're just put we're just putting things up there and seeing
0: what sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Or what doesn't stick more <laughs> accurately. Okay. So that was not very effective, as I've said. They also just plain old ejaculated outside of the vagina. Yeah. Quotus interruptus all of so that
1: people didn't even understand how you got pregnant like did they did they put together that ejaculating inside causes pregnancy at that point
0: yeah I think okay. they did there was not they didn't understand the biology of men having sperm and it you know traveling yeah. up into the universe and the fallopian tubes and fertilizing the egg. But they knew that, like, men had seed. Mm-hmm. Women, you implant the seed in a woman and she grows the whatever. <laughs> so they knew the mechanics of that. And they knew that mm-hmm. if they put, if they blocked something, then it must keep the sperm, the seed from getting in. Okay. And, you know, all of that. But obviously, there wasn't good understanding of biology. So they yeah. failed in that regard. Bummer. So by the time we start getting to the medieval period, that's when a bunch of religious institutions are taking over Fun. law and regular life. Not just in Europe, but all over in the Middle East and uh, in Asia. Mm-hmm. So they start creating various laws around morality. And birth control is pretty much universally outlawed at this time. Women still did it, obviously, because the only thing worse than having sex before marriage was getting pregnant right and having that to show that you had sex before marriage and mm-hmm. then there are all these other things where no one will marry you you have to support this child so of course of course women still tried various things that were again not really super effective um I have a question yeah was birth control outlawed
1: like even within a marriage or was that yeah. just in oh my god
0: yeah, it was outlawed within marriage, uh, because like God will take care of how many children you're going to have, right? I so fucking hate getting when in the way of that, that is like getting in the way of God's <laughs> plan for you or whatever. I mean, that's official Catholic doctrine to this day. Yeah, that birth control is not godly, but you know, I'm going to reserve judgment there and just say that's how it was. Um, okay, I will judge it. <laughs> I'm judging it right now. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the oldest condoms discovered, uh, were made out of like intestine of other animals. Mm-hmm. Um, the oldest one discovered dates back to around the 1640s. These were Holy likely, shit. I know I, I can't, that's imagine that way I'd, older than I thought. Yeah. I it's Yeah. <laughs> So, specifically, they were recovered in ruins of Dudley Castle in England, which is hilarious. Who was fucking in Dudley Castle? Wait, what's Dudley Castle? I don't know, but I assume it's... uh, It was
1: where the orgies happened.
0: Yeah, it's (laughs) the orgy castle. (laughs) It looks like... I can't actually tell if any kings or queens or royalty lived there, but...
1: Interesting. Yeah, during the
0: Tudor period, John Dudley, first Duke of Northumberland lived there so yeah royalty lived there so who knows good for him he wrapped it up well i don't know if it was that guy or just some (laughs) dude who works there who knows
1: don't they still make non-latex yeah they make lambskin condoms yeah they're not as effective
0: because they're more porous than latex so you have to be careful with those and they make other non-latex options that are not as porous as lambskin but those are still an option that's wild I know. Just like I imagine
1: know. like butchering an animal and like looking at its like <laughs> gut casing and being like, "Hmm. What if I put this around my penis?"
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can imagine some some butcher was like, I can f- kind of feel through this. I, I mean, uh, they use it to make sausage, so I guess the imagery is there. <laughs> yeah, I guess it was kind of a natural like this is very phallic. You know what else is phallic? <laughs> my My penis penis. (laughs) (laughs) these are most likely to prevent the spread of sexually transmitted infections rather than pregnancy specifically because that was Mm -hmm. a huge thing also during this time so apparently they had figured out by then that if you touch your genitals someone else's genitals that has an STI you probably get it so but it it, you know, it was double duty. It also was contraception. So condoms were not, however, widely available until the 20th century. Okay. Which brings that makes us sense. to the 20th century. <laughs> Hello.
1: We were born in that, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, nope. we were born in the 1900s. Oh, yeah. Fuck. That makes us sound old. <laughs> <laughs> it was wild back in the 1900s. <laughs> so... In the 20th century, in the early 1900s, well before Kaylee and I were born, <laughs> uh, birth control was becoming more and more front of mind for people. Um, there was a huge population explosion in most of the world because medical care had gotten better. The Industrial Revolution had created a bunch of these advancements. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and society was becoming a little bit more liberal, especially as we get into the 1920s. So people were really starting to think about birth control. Mm-hmm. The woman who was at the forefront of this movement in the United States was Margaret Sanger. Mm-hmm. She actually coined the term birth control in 1914. Um, and she's a pretty controversial person. So, we're going to talk a little bit about her history oh, and how that wait. leads directly into the development of the birth control pill. Okay. So, Margaret's mother went through 18 pregnancies in 22 years. What? Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. She wound up passing away from, uh, I believe, cervical cancer. Um, So obviously that took a toll on her mother. And Margaret saw that. That really informed her identity as a radical socialist, leftist, feminist. And she was a nurse as well. I'm sorry. I can't get past 18 pregnancies in 22 years. Yeah. She was pregnant probably most of her life, honestly. Fuck that. I mean, at least she like never had a period. (laughs) I guess so. But. Did she have 18 babies? No, I don't think all of them lived. Yeah. Uh, I think she had miscarriages, and we'll talk about that. She was, Margaret was really affected by watching this happen to other women. Yeah. One of her most famous statements is around how she strongly believed women could only gain footing in society if they could decide when to bear children. This was a, a much different take on it at the time. People thought that it was women's duty to the country and to the state to have more children, more citizens, more people to build the country and have strong mm. whatever, especially because they'd just gone through a war as well, where a lot of people died in World War I. Yeah. Sorry, that was more in Europe, obviously, because this was happening mm. kind of in the same time, especially in the UK, but through Europe as well. As a nurse, she worked with mostly poor immigrant and Black populations and saw, like her mother, many women suffering from the effects of frequent childbirth, miscarriage, and self-induced abortions. Mm -hmm. She often told a story about a woman who she helped save from bleeding out from a self-induced abortion, only to have to return a few months later, and the woman died from bleeding out from another self-induced abortion. It's thought that this story is more of an amalgamation of different women she worked with and not like one story, but it was Mm -hmm. effective for her to get up and make speeches about the poor conditions and the station in life of these women who essentially could not say no to their husbands, but were desperate to not bear any more children because they couldn't afford them or it was too hard on their bodies or whatever it was. So she also realized that these populations did not have the education or the resources to understand effective methods of birth control the way that some wealthier segments of society did. Mm -hmm. She went to her local library to find information that she could give out and there wasn't any, and that enraged her. At the time there were something called the Comstock laws, which were a series of laws around morality and Mm -hmm. obscenity in in the U S and it was specifically forbidden to, disseminate any information about contraception or birth control, fashion, sex toys, obscenity, among other things. It was all kind of lumped together. So there were huh. different parts of this law. Like you couldn't disseminate the information, especially by postal service. You couldn't get the information in, you know, publicly funded libraries, stuff like that. Wow. Obviously that's fucked. That's yeah. fucked up. I don't
1: understand how you can have a law like that in conjunction with like the first amendment.
0: Yeah. The freedom of speech, Aspect of this is a huge part of Margaret Sanger and her whole organization and group's take Mm -hmm. on it. And so she challenges these laws based on freedom of speech, especially, eventually winds up winning most of them. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And there are still some laws about obscenity, like the Supreme Court has stated that obscenity kind of differs from community to community. So what might be obscene in one community isn't obscene in another. But there are general laws about distributing like pornography and stuff in different places but it's come a long way from you can't disseminate information about contraceptives though I will say yeah. that those laws were only lifted in the 1960s so oh my god <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy like my parents were alive in the 60s yeah so it was not that long ago that women were not able to even get information about this stuff and that doctors were not even able to get contraceptives like they couldn't even test medically like birth control pills or other contraceptives there was that shit was on lockdown in the United States so Sanger inspired by what was going on in Europe they were a little bit more liberal they had um, diaphragms they had you know they were able to get information about uh, birth control she decided to with her group of a little posse of people who were also kind of What's the word fanatics or uh, extremists at the time started to disseminate information on contraception. They ordered diaphragms from Europe and started to hand those out um, and she was arrested for basically obscenity charges in 1918. Um, oh God eventually those were dropped or she got them expunged, but she did serve some time in prison. and of course as soon as she got out, she went right back to it. She started opening illegal birth control clinics across the country. <laughs> uh, nice. Often these were in, in black communities and in underserved communities. Like her first clinic was in located in Brownsville, Brooklyn. Um, mm-hmm. Eventually she opened one in Harlem as well. Mm-hmm. After her arrest, she was working towards repealing these laws. So they did eventually become legal. So she also opened the first legal birth control clinic in the United States. And she honestly pushed for inclusion and equity in these places. Uh, her clinics were some of the first places to have all a full board of female doctors or all black staff working or on a board wow. of all black people. So mm-hmm. she really understood the power of bringing in the local community mm-hmm. um, where these people were. Um, she was said to also not tolerate bigotry and racism f- amongst her staff. She would let people go if they, you know, made comments or made it harder for people to, Access care, mm-hmm. and W. B. Du Bois and M. L. K. and Creda Scott King have praised her work, given her awards. So, in in a lot of ways, she was an ally to these communities, and in some ways, she wasn't. So we'll talk about that as well. Okay. So something very important in 1936 happened. She ordered birth control from Japan, and then created. At, at the time, you still couldn't disseminate birth control through. The uh, Postal Service. I believe it was a diaphragm still at this time. Pills had not been developed yet, but it's going to lead to pills soon. Okay. This court case overturned the section of the Comstock Law that prohibited physicians from obtaining and prescribing birth control. Okay. But she was not a physician. She was not a physician. I don't even know if she actually had any medical credentials, but she was a nurse for most of her life. Okay.
1: So probably some kind, but not enough for that to be legal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She didn't have like a doctorate of medicine or anything. Yeah. She semi-retired after this, but you know, she felt like her work was over. She allowed women to be able to go to their doctors and get birth control and get information on birth control. She was still active in the community though, and founded the American birth control league, which eventually became the Planned Parenthood Federation of America. The birth control available at this time then is like condoms and diaphragms. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. There is, there is no hormonal birth control at this time. There are no IEDs. A lot of the stuff is physical barriers, but you couldn't just walk into like the sex shop and pick up a condom, you know, you had to go to a doctor, get prescribed. So it wasn't until the forties that she started working on birth control pills. Uh, and she did pass away in 1966. So she led a long life from World War One, like through Vietnam, if you want to put it in war history. But um, <laughs> yeah, she, she lived through like the, you know, the first feminist movement wave, the free love movement, uh, a ton of change for women a lot that she helped to bring on. So this was a huge period of change. I have a, I have a question. Yeah. Ask away.
1: What kind of work did she do on the birth control pill? Was she partially, or was she responsible for creating it?
0: So she was responsible at this, at this point in her career, she was more about organizing. So she got the medical team together to create the birth control pill. And she got a lot of the funding together to create it as well. She also had connections in Puerto Rico where they did the testing. Mm. So she sort of facilitated it's happening and felt like it was, you know, the next wave of birth control that was going to change everything. And it it wound up being that way, but not without cost. So let's talk about some of her controversy from the 19 teens through the 1940s. And then we'll get into the trials of the birth control in Puerto Rico. Sweet. So, Margaret Sanger is often called out for being eugenicist. Mm -hmm. She was a eugenicist. Can you define that for anybody (laughs) who might not know what it means? Sure. So eugenicist is someone who believes that we can sort of through genetics breed out or in certain characteristics that are more favorable Mm -hmm. uh, for humanity and by extension breeding out less favorable, favorable characteristics. So we know that that has resulted in people advocating for developmentally or physically disabled people to be sterilized it's resulted in the entirety of Nazism is resulted yeah. in a lot of racist genocidal shit. So yeah. in practice fucking sucks. I think yeah. at the time there was this idea that because there was so much suffering in the world, if we could create people who could withstand that suffering better, it would be better for society rather than a focus on making society better and more Mm -hmm. livable for those people. So Margaret Sanger was friends with some well-known eugenicists. She advocated for birth control by appealing to the societal need to limit births by those least able to afford children. So basically she didn't want poor people having too many children than they could afford, not because she hated poor people, though she probably hated them a little bit, but because she saw the effects of poverty on these children Mm -hmm. and these mothers, people not ever being able to break that cycle when you have too many children. Yeah, And so she felt that because affluent people could already limit their childbearing, they had the knowledge that it was really necessary for poor and uneducated people who lacked access to uh, contraception to have it. That is kind of an overlap with eugenicist thinking. That's that. That's... Yeah. I know it's really That's hard tough. it's really hard. It's tough because you do want to
1: I mean wealthy people are able to limit their childbearing because they mm-hmm. have the knowledge. So like giving the knowledge the to you know people that don't have the resources I, I mean yeah that makes sense is she with seem, giving the knowledge to people yeah. but it would be the idea of forcing it on poor people. Right?
0: Did she want to do that? Yes and no. Okay. She said that she sought to, quote, assist the race, like the human race, toward the elimination of the unfit, which is uh, an idea that eugenicists brought up. Obviously, strict eugenicists think that, like, Black people are unfit and disabled people are unfit. I don't think Margaret Sanger ever said that, at least not outright. But, you know, poor people are not unfit parents because they're poor. They're not unfit Mm -hmm. people because they're poor. So obviously yeah you can't just like breed out poor people
1: <laughs> well, right, and like whose definition of unfit like that that gets
0: scary, right like yeah, <laughs> who decides what fit and unfit is right and there she was racist for her time. she thought that birth control would would create quote unquote racial betterment because if you know black people who were the most impoverished uh could not have as many children and they could lift themselves out of poverty and it would be great for the entire black race. But again, like who's deciding who is fit and who isn't? And again, like there aren't there isn't a great social safety net at the time. Like yeah. All of all of the pressure is put on the individual to limit their reproduction. A lot mm-hmm. of it's placed on the woman when if schools had been a thing for kids rather than like working in a factory at five, then maybe they could afford to have more kids. So again, they're they're focusing a lot on like individual family and individual person responsibility, when right. this is a collective societal thing. Right. So it's like
1: focusing on particularly making an individual. You know, I mean, like it's it's a good thing to help less resourced people be able Mm -hmm. to control their like how many children they want to have like that is overall a good thing but it needs to be coupled with other social safety nets that help lift up poor people
0: yeah and who don't vilify poor people when perhaps they do have more children than they can technically afford or you know realizing that there are other barriers that they have beyond just like here's a pamphlet on birth control now do it you know yeah there's a lot that goes into family planning that that could support poor people and again i don't like the idea of the framing that like poor people are more unfit than wealthier people to have children but so, it is the
1: thing that she said earlier about how like women can't really have power in a society mm-hmm. until they are able to make their choice so yeah i guess in my head it's not necessarily uh, the way i guess i'm looking at it is it's not that they're unfit but if they don't They need to be able to have that choice to be able to get ahead if they want to. I can see how this
0: is a sticky... It's it's complicated. (laughs) It is really complicated. (laughs) So she also supported birth control and sometimes compulsory sterilization for the quote, and I'm quoting, profoundly retarded. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, For people who had mental illness or or were neurodivergent or for some reason we're kind of like put in an asylum and we also know at this time that a lot of women who were just kind of difficult or inconvenient were put into Mm -hmm. asylums and there are a lot of uh occurrences of this happening and and women being sterilized even though they were perfectly fine so again it's like who is determining who the quote able-minded are because that was her word autonomy for the able-minded
1: Right. And this time in the U.S. history, which is, you know, the 40s and 50s, is when people who were, you know, mentally different or mentally unwell were treated absolutely like atrociously, right? Like this is when the time of mental hospitals and lobotomies and, you know, electric therapy or whatever you call that. Um, Electroshock therapy, There was, like, therapy, absolutely yeah. no rights
0: for people. <laughs> right. Who <So> we're, <laughs> were considered cons- mentally unwell, yeah. Right. And also, like, those people, even if they are mentally unwell, they still have bodily autonomy. You can't force them to be sterilized because yeah, you no, would rather they not have Yeah, no, forced sterilization,
1: that is, like, the most fucked up thing.
0: Yeah. So there's some stuff. She also, she was also known to be occasionally interacting with members of the kkk which is not funny i don't know why i laughed
1: well it's because we're uncomfortable jen
0: (laughs) thank you because they sort of furthered her they were supportive of birth control methods and
1: why were they
0: i mean probably for racist reasons
1: yeah that's like to to try and you know give it to black people so that they don't reproduce
0: (laughs) yeah yeah. And you know, there were other well known eugenicists at the time too. Like FDR was a eugenicist, the other Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt was a eugenicist, uh, the Kellogg brothers invented Kellogg serial oh eugenicists. Like this was this was common common thinking at the time, which doesn't mm-hmm. make it okay, yeah. but it does mean that that she definitely had a less nuanced view of right and wrong in these situations. It was very mainstream, yeah, yeah. back in this time. And not making it right. Not making it right. <laughs> no, not making it right at all. And while she did further racial equality in a lot of ways, she also was opportunistic and, and used people who did not were not progressive and did not share her sense of racial and societal justice to get mm-hmm. her propaganda further. Yeah. So she was complicit in a lot of that. But yeah. again, very complicated. There's no, like... She was a terrible eugenicist who... Was awful and sucked and wanted to kill people. Yeah, but she also, you know, again, there was a cost to a lot of this—a human cost—that she helped put into motion. So,
1: interesting lady. Yeah. So, so much of history, like we learn about all the the good things that these people have done, but that's like often all you learn about. So you're like, oh wow, she created birth control. She's amazing. She did all these things, but it mm-hmm. it hurts particularly. Underprivileged people and BIPOC and LGBTQ plus people usually mm-hmm. like all these underprivileged people. When we ignore all the shitty parts of these things that yeah. people did,
0: <laughs> and to Planned Parenthood's credit, they are open about Margaret Sanger's past I, and a lot of information from their organization about her.
1: Mm-hmm. They
0: mention this and they don't That's try good. to hide it. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it does give a lot of pro-life people or anti-birth control or anti-body positive, whatever, or anti-sex positive people ammunition to be like this, this organization was founded by eugenicists. Like its aim is to kill babies. Its aim is to kill people. And all, all these Planned Parenthoods in black neighborhoods, they are trying to kill black babies <laughs> when the reality is that those areas are already underserved medically and these clinics are there to provide medical care. <laughs> Yeah, because other places don't. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's so
1: Uh, interesting that they would like focus on that when I feel like so many of our institutions
0: were founded by eugenicists. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I usually say. I was like, oh yeah, you eat (laughs) cornflakes. You're eugenicist. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's obviously a conversation worth having. You're not going to be like, no, she wasn't, but it's also not the same organization that was founded in The 1940s let alone 1914 you know exactly anyway back to history (laughs) that brings us to about the 1940s so once birth control was kind of legalized or you were able to get it from your doctor the the race was on to get a hormonal birth control pill and this did not exist yet it did
1: not no hormonal birth control existed People must have known enough about it to know that it was a
0: possibility, so they were starting to look into it. Yes. So they had researchers had had successfully tested birth control and IVF in like rabbits and Mm -hmm. other animals. So they knew theoretically hormonal intervention could work. Okay. But they needed to test it in humans. The initial testing was done in a psychiatric hospital against everyone's will. Surprise! Jesus Christ. The
1: implications of testing this on people in a mental hospital are like, you're doing all these things like giving people pills without their consent or doing all this what? and how do you test it? You have to, you know, make them have sex or I guess artificially inseminate people and see if it works.
0: Yeah. It's I actually just, don't know the methods of testing that they did in a psychiatric hospital specifically, but yeah. it wasn't great. Yeah, right. I mean,
1: I can't imagine
0: that it was. <laughs> yeah, and then the researchers realized they needed a larger population to test on, so they were like, "Let's go to Puerto Rico." Yeah. So they decided that Puerto Rico would be a perfect place. These dudes, Gregory Pincus and John Rock, in sound like assholes. Uh, the mid nineteen fifties. Yeah, they were like, "John, suck." Hey. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> 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 when they were doing these trials birth control pill trials were not legal in the united states in the mainland because puerto rico is part of the united states mm-hmm. um, birth control had been legal there since 1937 for some reason i just have a bunch of question marks around that date. like <laughs> why was it legal there but not the rest of the country because most federal laws apply to puerto rico the the colonial history of puerto rico and how how America fucked it is really interesting. We could do a million episodes on that, but Mm -hmm. generally the laws that apply in the United States mainland apply in Puerto Rico. There's some like weird tax stuff that goes on there, but like people born in Puerto Rico are citizens of the United States. So I don't know why that was the case except racism. Yeah. That's all the answer you need, baby. (laughs) They're a small Island country state. Mm -hmm protectorate, whatever, country, they were struggling with poverty at the time, lack of resources, and a population boom. Mm-hmm. So they were encouraging people to move to the mainland. This is actually my, uh, my grandparents, my dad's parents, moved to New York in the 40s, so around this time that they were telling people to go. Hmm. Um, and then the people that stayed were... Heavily influenced to go on birth control. There were a lot of originally government-funded birth control clinics, and then those were privatized to some <laughs> drug company who also, dude, was a eugenicist. It's like the exact opposite of mainland America. <laughs> and once, once the clinics were privatized, they really pushed women into birth control by way of sterilization. It was really really bad a lot of women were tricked into being sterilized not given the information about the procedure or they just straight up went into the hospital give birth and were sterilized during it and not told Mm. this was common after a woman's second child that people would just sterilize them. Oh my God. Do you know the method of sterilization? Was it,
1: I mean, what we would call time Hysterectomy. tubes. Yeah. Hysterectomy. Oh yeah. Hysterectomy is the right. This straight out. <laughs> the formal so word for So a tubal ligation
0: it. is different. A tubal oh, ligation is. Is, has to do with uh, your fallopian tubes. You uh, cauterize or somehow impede right. eggs from getting into the fallopian tubes. And sometimes they take out the fallopian tubes, but it is hysterectomy is fully taking out your your uterus uterus. okay yeah
1: wow I knew that but I didn't know that (laughs) the difference between them um interesting okay so most of these people got hysterectomies
0: it got so bad approximately one third of Puerto Rican women were sterilized during this time oh my god It was extremely widespread. It just started to be called The Operation in Puerto Rico, La Operación. And there's a documentary about this called La Operación. I recommend, if you can, everyone watch it. We'll post a link in the show notes Mm -hmm. um, about how common it was. People would, you know, just go in to have a kid and come out sterilized. It was really traumatic, obviously, for these women. So this was when the pill was being
1: tested or
0: this was prior prior okay. and during so it probably started in the late 30s early 40s and went through the 60s Okay. so the birth control pill was viewed as an alternative to this obviously many were women especially women who were in poverty at the time were not wanting to be sterilized but also not wanting to have any more kids so basically Uh, researchers who were doing this trial would go out to the poorest of the poor areas, slums of Puerto Rico and knock on doors and tell women, take this pill. You won't have children. You will not get pregnant. Um, And that was all the information they were given. Jesus. No no information about what was in the pill. What was, what was going on with that. And yeah, I mean, this is pretty obvious. They viewed these women as inferior. A lot of them, you know, they thought they were uneducated, bad mothers, Mm -hmm. prostitutes, you know, and, of course, there was a lot of white knighting. Like, we're saving these women. We're making their yeah. lives better. When, again, all these women are poor and lacking resources. They're not yeah. stupid or bad people. They just are trying to live out here.
1: Right. And and Margaret Sanger was championing, championing, yes. championing, cham- help me.
0: <laughs> uh championing. Yes. It feels weird <laughs> these to say, right? right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she fully knew that. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. They were targeting... Everyone involved knew. But was
1: she viewing it as like a way to save them from being sterilized? I mean, I don't think that really makes... That doesn't
0: make it right, but... I think that that was... I, I'm not sure what her thoughts were. I think that that was attractive to the women in the trial. You could kind of frame yeah. it as like, you won't have to have the operation. Just take the pill. Don't have kids.
1: You don't have to have an operation. Just take this unknown pill that we're totally not testing on you so we can yeah, give it what? to uh america you know real americans quote unquote right
0: exactly exactly <laughs> and i think that. that again the pervasive thought at this time was that it's good for humanity and so if some people have to be tested on in the meantime like it's good for it'll be good for millions of other people so that the end justify the means where
1: where can you get off on that though as a scientist or a researcher testing on people that don't even
0: know they're being fucking tested on that's dude i wish i knew i feel like i could get away with a lot more unethical (laughs) shit like i if you didn't if i didn't care about anyone's bodily autonomy yeah like i don't know
1: yeah that's yeah like sure good of humanity but like people need to be they need to be able to make that I mean, we all, I'm sure we're all in agreement of this now, but it's, well, I hope we are. God, maybe we're not, but you need to be able to like opt into that. It's not, uh, I was going to say opt out situation, but it doesn't even sound like they really had that option it was just like totally presented as a thing that oh, this is disgusting yeah.
0: and they were threatened if they tried to leave like they also right. tested on a group of um female medical students who experienced side effects and were like we're dropping out and they yeah the researchers like threatened their grades
1: <laughs> oh my god
0: so like it yeah if you're a woman, just pack up and go home <laughs> so it gets worse which is oh, super fun great very cool so the initial pill that was tested in this trial contained 10 milligrams of the experimental combination of estrogen and progesterone. That mm-hmm. is 10 times the amount of now-acceptable dose of hormones found in modern-day birth control. Oh,
1: my God. I was going to say uh, estrogen and progesterone, are, that is a birth
0: control combo. Yes, that is the combo now. pill. But yeah. there's only one milligram combined oh, of those. What? How did they decide this dosage? Were they just like, well, I don't know. We'll see what happens. So... Yeah, basically. They knew that a higher dosage would be more effective. And this pill okay. was essentially 100% effective. And so they didn't really care if you experienced any side effects because they wanted an effective pill. And that was their number one goal. My of God. course, there were tons of side effects, nausea, dizziness, headaches, and blood clots. My favorite part, these complaints were dismissed since the women were deemed unreliable. <laughs> oh, my God. They're like, we can't trust Doesn't them. I- they're, they're poor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they probably have headaches and blood clots all the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what pornus does to you, right? <laughs> it's blatantly racist, but it's also like, doesn't that put your entire study in jeopardy? If these yeah. women are unreliable, then anything they tell you is unreliable. Then why are you the- even
1: bothering testing right. them?
0: This, on they're them. like, we don't want to hear that. You're unreliable.
1: We're like, we just wanted to
0: make sure it didn't make you die so we could <laughs> well give it to. <laughs> if they didn't did make them die, they didn't really care because three women did die during the trial, likely directly related to the effects of the pills because blood clots mm-hmm. increased chances of Those stroke and all of that. tend to kill you, yeah. <laughs> of course, conveniently, they were written off as not connected to the study in any way. No autopsies were done. Uh, they were kind of like natural causes. Um, yeah, we got
1: we got to toss those outliers out. They're going to ruin right. the results of the study, Jen. <laughs> yeah. No autopsy will- was like you're using these people to medically like test a theory, and then they die, <laughs> and you They're don't like, even we don't fucking.
0: That. <laughs> we don't need to know what went on in there. This is wild. There were some early concerns about the heavy dosage causing health problems. The uh, I think the only female doctor on the team, Doctor Idris Rice Ray, raised the concerns, but there were two men on the team, so they knew better. Clearly,
1: yeah, yeah, that that tracks.
0: <laughs> so obviously the. Trials were a smashing success for the research team, and uh, birth control pills were approved uh, in the US by the FDA in 1960. Instantly whoa. successful.
1: Did they not, um, when did they get put down to the one milligram of each?
0: That I don't know because it was sold as the 10 milligrams in the United States, and of course, it a was, lot of okay. people had side effects, and so they had to tweak that down. So I think that that probably took. A little bit of time, but not <laughs> yeah. Not so that once, much time. once once
1: once Amer- American white women started saying that they had headaches and yeah, disneyness, exactly. they, were, they were like, oh, maybe you're not hysterical. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I know, or less hysterical, right? Once they once yeah. they actually had to record the deaths of these things, yeah. Like oh, once shit. they actually had to do their <laughs> fucking jobs,
1: fuck. Yeah. Okay, so eventually, okay, so it it came to the United States, and Mm -hmm. then, as I guess more people did it, and they actually started paying attention, then they took the dosage down. That's scary. That is scary that, there's so many things that make it scary. They tested it on (laughs) on people against their will. (laughs) They didn't listen to the results, and they gave it to people, even though it was dangerous for them.
0: yeah. That's kind of the end of the trial stuff. But, Mm -hmm. you know, in reflection on that, in conclusion, you know, obviously the birth control pill is one of the most successful or widely taken medications all over the world. Mm -hmm. It's given women and AFib people lots of freedom. High school dropout rates decreased almost like instantaneously for women at this time through the 80s. Women waited longer to have families. They were able to join the workforce. Like Mm -hmm. birth control was instrumental in the way our, School system, economy, you know, all of that functions, even our ideas of equality and equity between the sexes. So, I mean, a ton of good came out of the birth control pill. But, you know, a lot of people don't know this history. And it's important to note that all of this progress was only possible because there was a human cost. And all the progress, mostly, that went toward wealthy white women, like we've said, Mm -hmm. came at a cost. I mean, birth control pills weren't even covered by insurance in this country until the Obama administration. Like they were not accessible to a lot of people who either didn't have insurance or, you know, didn't have a good enough insurance plan or whatever it was. So we have decades, decades, decades long history of birth control only being available to essentially wealthy people, privileged people.
1: Yeah. And it's still, I mean, it's still happening. Like we we talked to uh, Dr. Reagan, McDonald Mosley, uh, earlier this season about contraceptive deserts and how there's still a lot of people who can't get birth control, even with all the advancements that we've made and even with you know, health some healthcare covering it, like there's still people that can't get it in this
0: day yeah. and age. Yeah. There's a, a good quote from Della Mestre, who was one of the Puerto Rican women who unknowingly participated in the trial. She says... The experiments were both good and bad. Why didn't anyone let us make some decisions for ourselves, she asked, her eyes welling with tears. I have difficulty explaining that time to my own grown children. I have very mixed feelings about the entire thing. Unfortunately, Mestre and the other women involved in the trials did not have a choice as to whether or not they wanted to be participants in the sexual revolution that was occurring within the continental United States. Instead, the bodies and well-being of impoverished and uneducated women were sacrificed for those of white women and male scientists who deemed the pill a victory in the fields of science and society. I know.
1: Our uh, current sexual revolution is built upon the pain and suffering and blood of many
0: people. Yeah, mostly poor women of color. Yep probably still true definitely still true. anyway this kind of ended on a sad note yeah but I think I think the important thing to take away from this is to just like know when you take your birth control pill or when I take my birth control pill every day the the sacrifice that was made for yeah. this progress um, and don't take that for granted um, 100%. Yeah. And
1: I, I think just like having that knowledge and being able to talk about it and talk like tell people and educate them about it, that is powerful and it it has to be something that we think about going forward when when we need to test Drugs or things on people. Like, how are we making those decisions?
0: And, and even in modern society, like we still have these conversations around, usually around climate change, around how many children is it ethical to have, how many people can this world support, and under what conditions is it ethical or moral to have children? And I think a lot of times, whether intentionally or unintentionally, again, we place a lot of, a lot of responsibility on the individual, and not on the collective. We, yeah. place, we place a lot of responsibility, again, on poor people, on people of color, on large families, on whatever else without really realizing the other roadblocks mm-hmm. or situations that make this racist or classist or just impossible for those people to achieve. So yeah. I think that's also worth mentioning when we talk about even modern takes yeah. on population control.
1: Very true. Like we as a country are only as successful as how well cared for our, our impoverished population is. And we yeah. have been doing an atrocious job of that for pretty much since America's existence. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So that's just something to think about. I know this is kind of a sad episode, but it's important to talk about these things for sure. And I, I'm really glad that you did all this research, Jen. I, I learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, thanks. I'm sure I'm glad our listeners I did, too.
0: did as well. Yeah, we'll drop the sources in yes. the uh, in the episode description so you can check them out if you want to. And definitely check out that, that documentary, La Operacion. La Operacion.
1: Yeah, I'm going to watch that. Seriously, thank you, Jen. Thank you. Yeah, this was uh, fun, even though the topic was <laughs> set. <laughs> Yeah. If you guys have any questions, concerns, comments, appreciations to give to Jen for all this research, you can email us at hello at sexedshouldn'tsuck.com or you can DM us on any of our socials. We have Twitter and
0: Instagram at sexedshouldn'tsuck. Uh, I think that's it for socials. We have a Patreon. If you search Sexed Shouldn't Suck and Patreon, yeah. you can subscribe there's a lot of cool stuff you can get from the different tiers you can get shout outs you can get merch you can get a phone call from us wouldn't you mm-hmm. love that that'd be so fun yeah. it sound exactly like this podcast
1: speaking of which shout out to bill thank you bill for being one of our cherished subscribers on patreon so check that out if you have even just a dollar or so to spare here and there we would really appreciate it yeah check out our merch Speaking too
0: merch we have yeah. merch
1: merch we have shirts and sweaters and all kinds of cool designs bags and stickers yeah so you can check that out on our website suck.com slash merch or shop one of those i don't know you'll find it figure it out <laughs> Um, And I uh,
0: think uh, that's it, except for Kent. No, no,
1: you forgot newsletter. Fucking newsletter, bro. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. It comes out on the last day of the month, every month, and it's a little summary Just of what like we've your been period. doing. Yeah, exactly. And it also covers, like, sex education in the news, which I don't know if you've been following this year, but there's a lot of it's sex education crazy. in the news. People have been battling it out in the, you know, Courts. local, state, federal politics it's it's crazy and i i read all about it and summarize it for you so you can feel enraged without having to do too much work yeah and our final thing jen who would you like to thank besides the women of Um, puerto rico
0: i would like to thank kaylee mosher for being my best friend and co-host on the podcast and i I guess if i had to thank someone else i would thank kent he was okay
1: yeah thank you kent
0: you're more than okay yeah.
1: you master your sound you're great <laughs> more um. than good join us next week when we talk to Blair from Talk Purity to Me love that girl we are going to be talking all about purity culture and how it fucked us all up in the head <laughs> so please join us there I mean it might it it is also a little depressing but it is not near as depressing as this episode
0: so that's kind of our podcast we're trying to deconstruct (laughs) like notions of bullshit around sex so you know sometimes it's going to be serious yeah other times it's going to be funny and not today or next week (laughs) it'll be kind of fun next
1: week you know yeah a little fun yeah a little fun (laughs) (laughs) all right we'll see you guys
0: then all right love you guys bye
1: Stop hitting your mic.